Well, hey, everybody, come on in. Time for church to start. It's good to see you tonight. Turn to your neighbor and say, happy Wednesday. Let them know, happy Wednesday. My goodness. Well, come on in. Live streamers, it's good to see you wherever you're watching from. Good to see you tonight. Lori's even waving at you, giving you a happy Wednesday. All right, so here's the deal. A couple things real quick, and we'll get into our praise and worship tonight. It is youth hangout night tonight, so when service, or I'm sorry, worship is done, you can follow Liz and Chamberlain for youth hangout. And also Kids Church 2 is after our worship tonight, so you can follow Judah. There you go. And he'll show you where to go. Um, but don't forget, I can't believe I just thought today it hit me. Christmas is 12 days away. Oh, my goodness. It's coming fast. Having said that, don't forget our Christmas Eve candlelight service at 6 o'clock. Uh, Christmas Eve is a Sunday this year, so we have our normal 10 a.m. service. Then in the evening, we have our candlelight service at 6 o'clock. So uh, put it on the calendar to be here for that. Bring some family out. It's, it's a, a night for the whole family. So having said that, everybody stand up on your feet. And let's just open in a word of prayer. Lord, we thank you for an opportunity to come to your house and be together tonight, Lord. We love our time together. We love our time to come and worship you together. And Lord, I pray as we praise you and we worship you, it's pleasing unto you. Holy Spirit, come and, and be with us tonight. Holy Spirit, move in this place. Have, have free reign tonight. And we thank you that you are a God who draws near to us. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. 
to you are all things. You deserve the glory. Yes, Lord, we give you the glory tonight. Because you alone are worthy. You alone are good. We just invite you here, Lord. We want to do nothing apart from you. Come and have your way in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Go around and greet some of your family of faith this evening. We're so glad to have you here with us. And kids and youth, you are dismissed. Oh, it's okay. All right, amen. We'll give, uh, we'll give everybody a chance to get their kids checked in downstairs and the youth settled in. Then we'll take up tithing offering in just a second. It's good to see you tonight. Good to see you. And uh, midweeks to extra, but it's always okay, right? I'm glad to see you all Sunday, but I'm also glad to see you Wednesday, believe it or not. So uh, tithe and offering, if you have something to give tonight, you can prep that. Offering envelopes and chairs in front of you, or the ushers will help you out if there's not one there. Wave your hand around and they'll get to you ASAP, as soon as possible. I'm ready for snow. Maybe you don't want that, I bind that in the name of Jesus. Oh. You, know, you know he'll listen to me, right? I'm kidding. <laughs> I mean, to me, what's the point of Christmas without snow? I mean, you know what I'm talking about. You got to have your white Christmas and, and got to have it, you know? I don't, I don't tell stories about my kids because they don't like it. It's not, it's not fair to them to tell stories, you know, but I will tell you one. Um, 
Brian, I, I, I may have shared this to you before, but it always, when I think of snow, I think about this, it makes me laugh. Ryan, who comes, if you know Ryan, he was, I don't know, he was probably nine or 10. We had a lot of snow, and he, he was out in the morning building a handful of snowmen in our yard, right? And I thought, oh, wow, he's just taking time, playing in the snow, doing whatever. And then I just happened to look out, and then he's, <laughs> he's trying to ride his bike through the snow. And he's got his homemade stick that he made into a spear. And he's like, now he made the snowman so he could ride his bike by him and throw a, throw a spear at him. I thought, well, I'm impressed by that, so you go for it. He was also the same kid that lit an arrow on fire and shot it into the field behind us. I was like, um, how about we don't do that? Anyways, okay. He watches too many of those, those kind of movies, I guess. All right, so let me pray every tithe and offering. If you have something to give, you can bring it. Lord, we thank you to be together tonight. We worship you and we praise you, and, and we worship you with our giving the increase of our life. It's from you, Lord, and we honor you with our tithes, with our offering, Lord. As we know, again, always, we always say this, but we believe it, we stand in it. You are our provider. So we honor you with our giving tonight. And we do it in Jesus' name. We all say, amen. So you can bring it if you have it. Um, so the youth have their youth hangout tonight. There's one more youth hangout in uh, December, that's the 27th, a couple days after Christmas, but that's when they're going to do their little Christmas shindig, okay? So you know that if you have a young person, uh, the youth Christmas uh, party shindig will be the 27th of the month. This Sunday, Kids Church is pajamas and pancakes. So if you got a kid that's in the Kids Church, they can come in their PJs. As I told you last Sunday, you guys aren't allowed, but the kids can. And... Uh, but they'll have that for them downstairs. They've been having a great time in December with the kids. And I think it's all, other than candlelight service, please be here for that. And the kids have a role that night too. I'm looking forward to it. And uh, I think that's it. And 21 days of prayer. Let me put this bug in your ear. Uh, we, we have not had Monday night prayer uh, during December just because of how busy everything gets. But when we kick Monday night prayer back off in January, it's actually coming with 21 days of prayer. And I'm going to be challenging you guys, the church, for 21 days to consecrate yourself in prayer. We'll challenge you with some fasting during that time. And during the 21 days of prayer, the church will be open every single day during that 21 days. Uh, during the week from 6 to 7 p.m., Saturday mornings from 8 to 9 a.m. Then Wednesdays and Sundays, as you know, if, you, if, if you've never come to church before it starts, the church is actually open an hour before service starts. That may be big news to some of you. Um, so during 21 days of prayer, uh, the prayer time uh, on Wednesdays and Sundays is that hour before church from 9 to 10 on Sunday, 6 to 7 on Wednesdays. So uh, we'll have a prayer guide if you want to use that. But we're going to kick off our year uh, with a concentrated time of prayer because again we're a church that prays first and we believe that if we don't pray what's the point if you don't pray you're just spitting in the wind as i like to say and i don't like to spit in the wind so let's pray and let's let god guide us into uh what's going on in the next year okay all right so if you have your bibles find the book of hosea that's in the old testament and it's towards the back of the old testament the book of Hosea, you can go to chapter number 11. Uh, Hosea is right before the book of Joel, and it is after the book of Daniel. So Hosea chapter number 11, 
Wednesday nights during December, we've been uh, talking about the birth of Jesus and the foreshadows and the prophecies in the Old Testament of the birth of Jesus. And there's sort of 1A messages uh, to what we're talking about on Sunday, see the Savior. Um, and to know that God is sovereign and his plans have been the plan since the beginning of time. You know, Jesus' coming wasn't plan B or plan C or plan D because plan A didn't work out. Jesus was plan A from the start, right? And it shows up in the fact that the Old Testament is full of Jesus. Hundreds of years before the birth of Jesus and, and the stories we find in the Gospels, uh, the Old Testament leans into the coming of Jesus and the work of the kingdom of God and what Jesus did and what he's currently doing right now. So the Old Testament foreshadows, it leans into it. So uh, you should never discount the Old Testament because without the Old Testament, you won't real, get a real firm understanding of what we find in the New Testament. They go together. They're not separate stories. It's not like in the Old Testament you find a certain God. There you get to the New Testament. It's a different kind of God. He's the same the whole time, and it goes together. So we, we've been looking at uh, foreshadows, prophecies in the Old Testament of the birth of Jesus, and we're going to go to uh, the prophet Hosea tonight. And this is going to be a little bit different than uh, the last couple of weeks when we did this, but it's, it's one verse in Hosea chapter 11, and verse number one. So, so let's read this. Hosea chapter 11 and verse number one says, When Israel was a child, I loved him. And out of Egypt, I called my son. Then you go to verse two and it says, And the more they were called, the more they went away. And they kept sacrificing to the Baals and burnt offerings to idols. So, uh, let me get back to this in a second. So Hosea was a prophet that mainly was, although he mentioned, remember, remember we were saying, let me back up, uh, after Solomon, the next king was his son, and he didn't do a good job, and the, the nation of Israel split. Remember, we've been saying that. You have the northern uh, tribe of Israel and the southern tribe of Judah, okay? And geographically, Jerusalem was in Judah, okay? And, and these... Uh, two, and they actually at times worked together and a lot of times were warring against one another and they were split until the Assyrians came and, 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 and took out the northern tribe of uh, Israel and then the, the, the southern tribe of Judah kept going until the Babylonians came and, and took them out, okay? Hosea's time was right before the Assyrians came and, and took over the northern tribe of Israel. And he overlapped, he was before, but also overlapped the time of Isaiah, which is where we were a couple weeks ago. And also, where were we last week? Micah, uh, the time of Micah, which we talked about last week. And again, Hosea was roughly a, a, a little bit more than 700 years before the birth of Jesus. So again, a long time, uh, centuries before Jesus was born. This is when Hosea is saying, and, and what he's saying is being recorded as we find in the book of Hosea. Now, again, Hosea 11.1, 1, when Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. 
Oh, by the way, Hosea, this, this guy, you got to read the, if you've never read the book of Hosea, read it. Hosea lived in example. It, Hosea just didn't prophesy things. Hosea, uh, life was lived as an example. So, so God wanted to show Israel that they were an adulterous people to him by serving other gods. So he told Hosea, marry an adulterous woman, and he did. I mean, Hosea lived what God was saying. And then this adulterous woman in Hosea had three kids, and, and they were named, each of their names meant something towards the, the relationship between God and Israel. So Hosea lived what God was saying to Israel. I mean, you imagine that. My goodness, talk about dedication. My word. So anyways, this is, what, what's amazing here is that when you go to the New Testament, and you find the New Testament writers pulling out, uh, like this Hosea chapter 11, verse number 1, and saying, now, this is fulfilled now. Often, if we don't see the New Testament writers doing that, we would never catch that when we read that in Hosea chapter 11, verse number 1. You see what I'm saying? They highlight things by the Spirit, by their understanding of the Scriptures, that I would have never picked up on this in Hosea chapter 11, verse number 1. So, see the correspondence to this. Go to Matthew chapter 2 and verse number 13. Matthew chapter 2 and verse number 13. Now, Jesus has been born in Bethlehem, and we talked about that last week with Micah. Now, after Jesus had been born, it says this. Now, when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise and take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell, tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And we're going to talk about that this Sunday. And Joseph rose and took the child and his mother Mary by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet, out of Egypt I called my son. And he's recalling Hosea chapter 11 and verse number 1. And I'm going to read that again. When Israel was a child, I loved him, and out of Egypt I called my son. So in the midst of, of everything that Hosea is talking about there, he pulls that one line out and said, now this is a fulfillment of something the prophet said 700 some odd years before. That kind of stuff amazes me. And if you notice verse 2 of Hosea chapter 11, it just goes into a whole thing about serving idols. And we know Jesus didn't do that, right? So the context again is Hosea is saying, hey, look. God had called you out of Egypt. Now, what, what's he talking about there? What's he recalling in his mind? The Exodus. Israelites enslaved in Egypt, right? Well, how did Israel end up in Egypt, by the way? How'd they get there? They went there to survive the famine. Remember the whole story of Joseph. But while they're there, they become a great nation. Uh, the Egyptians enslaved them. Now they're in slavery, and God brings them out of Egypt 
the Exodus. That's what Hosea is recalling. Now, it's amazing now you see sort of the overlap here. Why did the angel tell Joseph and Mary to take Jesus to Egypt? To protect him from Herod. How did Israel end up in Egypt in the first place with the exit? They went there for protection from the famine. You see, see the overlay there? Both of them go to Egypt for protection, but yet God still brings both of them back out. And, and that's, that's sort of the overlay of what's happening. Now, I want to explain something to you. I want to tell you something here, so track with me for a moment. This is what we would say in fulfillment of a prophecy, but there's also another word that, that kind of captures this, and it's something, it's, it's the nerdy word, it's called typology. Okay, let me explain typology to you. And if you start to cap typology, the Bible will open up to you. Okay. Typology is, remember Jonah swallowed by the whale? How long was he in the belly of the fish? Three days. How long was Jesus in the tomb? Type and antitype. That's what it's called. The typology was Jonah in the belly of the fish. The antitype, and I don't think anti is opposite. It's just a way of, of drawing from it. The antitype is Jesus in the tomb three days. You see, there's an overlay there. Typology would be in the Old Testament sacrificial system, there was a sacrificial lamb right? Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Type, antitype. Remember the story of Abraham being told to sacrifice his son Isaac. And when he goes to do it, then there's the ram caught in the thicket. God provides the sacrifice, right? Type, Jesus, the antitype. What happens is anytime there's a type and antitype, there's sort of what they would call an escalation to fulfillment with what comes later. That makes sense. Uh, the, the sacrifice of the lamb in the sacrificial system did its deal, but it wasn't fulfillment. It foreshadows the actual fulfillment in Jesus. The ram caught in, in the thicket for, for Abraham so he doesn't have to sacrifice Isaac did, its, did what it was supposed to do then, but it wasn't the end of it. Jesus is the end of it, right? Jonah being the belly of the fish, that's the story. That wasn't the end of anything, but Jesus being three days in the tomb is to fulfillment. That's the end of it. So there's always an escalation to fulfillment. We see this with the Exodus story that Hosea is drawing on, that Matthew then comes and says, okay, I'm going to take this one thing and pull it over here because this is a fulfillment we find in Jesus. By the way, Matthew was very concerned with Jewish readers. He was very concerned with showing them that Jesus is actually the Messiah. And one of the great stories to the Jewish people is the Exodus, the Passover. That's big in their history, big of what they celebrate and remember every year. So it's important for Matthew to put Jesus right in the center of that. To say that Jesus is the fulfillment of the great Exodus of the people out of Egypt. My son will come out of Egypt. That's what God said. But it's not so much only that Jesus is the fulfillment of Israel, but now Jesus is the fulfillment of the great deliverer who brings them out. Hebrews chapter 3 says, this is type and antitype, that Jesus is the greater Moses. 
Moses was a prophet and he was a deliverer, but now Jesus is the great prophet and he's the great deliverer. Moses helped God fulfill things for Israel, but Jesus comes and fulfills all things for all people. You, see, you understand what I'm, I'm saying? When you see those things in the scriptures, it, the scriptures kind of pop to you. And you see how the Old Testament and New Testament are all bound together and woven together. They, they go together. They lean into each other. So Jesus is the one who comes out of Egypt in fulfillment of the people of Israel, their vocation. But Jesus is also then fulfilling the vocation of the great deliverer from the people for their sin, everyone. So salvation, salvation is seen in one way as deliverance. Jesus is completing what the original Exodus began. And whenever you have deliverance, you have not only forgiveness, but you have restoration. Because when the people come out of Egypt, they're headed now to the promised land. Now, if you know the story, they ended up fooling around in the wilderness for 40 years because they just couldn't listen. Kept grumbling and murmuring and complaining. But we see another type and antitype there because remember, then Jesus was taken how many days of prayer and fasting into the wilderness? And Jesus didn't fall into temptation there, nor did he grumble and complain and moan and groan, but he comes out full of the power of the Spirit, and here comes the kingdom of God. Another type and antitype happening. So we have to understand that the story of Christmas is directly connected to deliverance. That is why God has come. And, and the big story picture that you find throughout the Bible is there, there is an exodus from slavery and being bound in your sin, being entrapped in your sin, coming out into freedom to worship God properly and be in restored relationship with him. That's the story. And Jesus comes to fulfill it. So deliverance is a key marker of what Jesus is doing in our salvation. And with what comes with deliverance is always what in the terms of, of Isaiah chapter 9, and the government will be upon his shoulder. In other words, there is a new governance of how to live this life. Because you're not set free from slavery to say, now go do anything you want to do, however you want to do it, you're free. No, the greatest freedom is within the governance that he brings. So deliverance into a new way of being. That, that's what happens. That's what we're called into. So the deliverance that we find in Jesus is big picture. You got to think of it this way. If, if, if you read the gospel stories, angels are very prevalent in the story. There's always an angel telling somebody what to do. Angel comes to Mary. Guess what? Big news for you. Then when Joseph hears that his betrothed Mary is pregnant, he's like, okay, I'm not cool with that. How, how is the girl that I have not been with that's not supposed to be with anybody pregnant? So he has, because he's a, he's a good man, 
he had his mind to divorce her quietly and not make a ruckus about her, not put her in the spotlight about it. Then what happens? An angel shows up to him in a dream, says, hey, relax, this is the work of God, and he, he listens. Uh, then, then all of a sudden, there, there's shepherds in a field, and we were saying this last Sunday, and an angel shows up and said, fear not. I've got good news of great joy for all the people. Run to you, born this day in the city of David, a Savior. He's Christ the Lord. You know, you know why I remember that first before the Bible? Because I watched Charlie Brown Christmas growing up. Linus does that whole business. That's how I learned that. Anyways, um, but it's, and then a host of angels show up. Glory to God in the highest. Angels are all throughout this thing. Here, Herod is, is hearing about the possibility of, of this, this Messiah figure being born. He's worried about it. He's scared. And so he sends the, the wise men to find him and report back where he is. Well, he wants to kill him. We'll talk about that again, that business on Sunday. But then an angel warns Joseph, take, take Mary and the baby to Egypt. Go to safety. I'll tell you when to come back. I say all this to, to say this. The prevalence of the supernatural beings that are out there is a way of saying that this great deliverance of Jesus is absolutely cosmic. It is for everything. The deliverance of Jesus is for the entire universe in which God has made. Big, giant picture. That is why you get to Revelation 21. It says, and I will make all things new. Behold, a new what? Heaven and a new earth. That, that's cosmos. It's going to make it all new. The deliverance of Jesus is everything. But what is so wonderful and then shown by a God who's born as a baby, God draws near to us. Deliverance then becomes personal. And it comes for each one of us. Personally. God, God is remaking all things, but I'm, I'm part of all things. And so, um, as you guys know, I love the outdoors, and I, I, love, I love on clear nights to look at the stars. And I attempted one time to start to learn the constellations, just so I know what I'm looking at, and I failed. So I got an app on my phone that tells me, all right? I cheated. And the stars that I can see in that moment is only just a small snapshot of what's really out there, right? And of, of, of the wonder of the big picture of God's creation and his saving acts to recreate it and make it new, it's so vast, but yet at the same time so personal. The God who made all of that and knows all of that still knows my name. And, and this deliverance of coming out of Egypt, he does it for all who would believe, but at the same time, he still calls your name personally. Hey, Jenny, I would like to take you out of Egypt. Will you, will you want to come out of slavery? Hey, David, I, I wanna, listen, I want to bring you out. Will you come? I'm going to take you. I'm the deliverer. Amen? 
And it's, it, it's, it's wonderful that you call Lori by name and Lisa by name and Nathan by name and Joe by name. Amen? It's wonderful. Don't worry, I'm not forgetting any of your names. I would name y'all, but we won't take time to do that. It's wonderful. But see, remember that salvation then works out in your life. And so does deliverance. So I am saved, and this is, this is the way Paul would say this stuff. I am saved. And how many of you are saved? But how many of you are still being saved? Because we're waiting until we are eventually saved. I am delivered. I'm still being delivered. And I will be finally delivered. You may be saved, but you still need some deliverance. I mean, you know what I'm talking about. But the work's still happening. If you let him. Because you may have heeded the call, Blake, come out of slavery, and, and you come into salvation. But there's going to be times through your life where he's still going to say, hey, Blake, there's some other Egypts you've got to come out of in your life. Can I help you get out of there too? And you continually allow this work of salvation to work through your life because Jesus is the great deliverer right down to the personal nooks and crannies of your life, the dark places, the corners, the things behind closed doors. He's the deliverer there too, and he's not going to stop if you don't want him to. Because freedom from sin needs to be worked out all the way through. Freedom from mindsets that are damaging to you need worked all the way through. Freedom from perspectives that are not lined up biblically need worked all the way through. It's this continual work in the activity of the Holy Spirit in your life to bring the fullness of salvation to as much as we can see it until he comes again. Amen. So I would, I would encourage you to continually allow by the conviction of the Holy Spirit, honesty on your part, to let him constantly be the great deliverer in your life. Because let me tell you something. If God can get, I don't know how many people are in Egypt, millions some people out of the greatest nation in the world at the time with the greatest military in the world at the time, with a guy who had a speech impediment so much that he had to have his brother speak for him, he can deliver you too. If he can send an angel down and talk to a guy named Joseph and take his wife and the newborn baby into safety somewhere to avoid King Herod, king of the Jews, from murdering his child, he can deliver you too. This is a great typology for your life. It overlays you. Amen? So, keep fighting the fight. 
Don't give up. I've been trapped in that too long. Don't give up. Because the God who made the far star that we can catch with our telescopes is the same God who will come break down personally in your life to deal with you and help you and empower you and encourage you and strengthen you. Because he's making all things new. That's the work. Amen? Amen. Now, let me talk to you about the authority of the Holy Spirit for a second. I'm going to tell you about a dream I had Monday night. I don't do this much, but I'm going to tell you this dream. Every once in a while, I have a dream that I believe is, is from the Lord. Okay? I don't think everything I dream is from him. Sometimes I do. All right? Sometimes it's just something I ate before I went to bed, or I don't know. But Monday night, I had a dream, and when the Lord, I, had, I have a pattern that, that he uses in me, that I identify it's from him. So, for instance, um, whenever the Lord is bringing me a warning about something, there's always a tornado in my dream. Okay? Whenever the Lord is warning me of the activity of, of the devil, a plan, a scheme, the devil's doing something, I always have a snake in my dream. And, and what, what's very, very unique to me is the snake is always, has always been a yellow and white spotted snake, like a boa constrictor pattern, but it's yellow and white. So anyways, so I, I dreamed Monday night. I couldn't sleep. I, was, I woke up at 3.30, and I was awake pretty much all the way until I went to work at 6.30, right? But in that time, I don't remember what time it was, I dozed off just for a few moments and had this dream, and I woke back up. It was funny because immediately I thought of a dream, I, I said a quick prayer, and then my mind went somewhere else. And I didn't even remember it until later that day, Monday night, or no, this was Tuesday. So Monday night, isn't it? yeah, Tuesday, I went to the gym after work just for a little bit. I'm still not feeling the best, but I just have to be active. And when I was working out, I remembered the dream. And it came back to me while I was working out, and I thought about it and prayed about it again. Anyways, so in the dream, there was a plate on a table, and it was stacked with food. Kind of like pancakes, but thin and crispy instead. You know what I'm saying? But it was stacked. Almost, it almost looked like a little uh, old-school-looking beehive. You know what I'm saying? And I had a fork. But it's a very specific fork to me. It was, it's my mom's. And she had a, a Cutco cutlery set from when I was a kid. About this long. And it has a handle that, that's like a marble red. But it's one of those things where you, you stick the meat so you can cut it, a big fork. So it just had two prongs on it. It doesn't have like the third like a, or fourth like a normal. It just had two prongs. And I had that thing. And I went, hey, this looks good. And I kind of, with the fork. And what I did, I said, well, there's a snake in there. It looked good, but it was a snake. And the snake, again, it was yellow and white, and it started to come out to me. Very simply, I took that fork, and I went, Poof, and I trapped its head in between the prongs, and it couldn't move. I, I stuck it to the table. It was that simple, and I woke up, and I said, well, we're not having that in the name of Jesus, whatever that's about. That simple. And I forgot about it. I'm working out. I said, oh, it's a snake. And I said, in Jesus' name, whatever. And I, I, don't, I don't identify what, but I know whenever the Lord gives me that, I start praying, whatever the enemy's up to, in the name of Jesus, I bind that. And, 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 the, and the dream just shows me the authority is there to stop what the enemy's doing. Just 
you have to use the authority you've been given. The great deliverer is with you, but he's also given you authority in his name. Start to use it. I tell you that to say it. Start to use it. Even, you see, we often are our own worst enemies. The devil doesn't have to help. In that case, the great deliverer can save you from yourself. But there are also times that the enemy's involved because he's got schemes and plans. Even if the devil himself is involved, you have the authority in the power in the name of Jesus because the great deliverer is with you. You see what I'm getting at? So I'm saying that to encourage you. Whether it's just you dealing with you or the enemies involved in schemes and plans, God will see you through if you allow the Holy Spirit not only to lead you, but also empower you. Amen. Don't give up. Don't think anything's too big. Right? Now, what can be too big for the God who made everything you see? Nothing. 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 Amen. So allow him to keep working out salvation in your life. Allow him to. Some of you have been frustrated about things. You just, you just sort of lay it down and, and just, just let it be. No, 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 no. Don't let, don't let lying things be if you know it shouldn't be there. They just get stronger. You're aware, you're convicted, you know, in the name of Jesus. Let's deal with it. And let's work out. This, you may have to walk through the wilderness for a while, but you're going to work it out heading to the newness of the promised land. You're going to work it out. Amen? You believe that? All right, let's stand up. I'm going to close in prayer. But here's what I want to do real quick, real quick. I want you to just think about yourself. What, Lord, is there things in my life that the fullness of deliverance needs worked out yet? Once again, right now, commit it to him. You're not going to let it lie. You're not going to make excuse for it. You're not going to pretend it's not there. You're not going to say, well, it's just the way it is. But you're going to say, Lord, through you, I'm going to change. Through you, I'm going to change this perspective, this thought process, this action. Through you, I'm going to come out of this. I'm going to be delivered. Amen? Lord, Lord, we thank you for your power. We thank you for the authority. We thank you for the new governance of you in our life. I pray, Lord, deliverance is working through the house always. Always, Lord. Our salvation is working itself out in us. Always, Lord. For, for we are not just to be forgiven and, and simply saved, but now the working of that salvation in our lives all the way through. I pray we're encouraged to fight the fight, to keep the faith, to keep working at it. Knowing you see our heart, you're pleased with our heart, but Lord, you desire freedom. I pray we begin to find it in things that, that maybe for, for a long time, Lord, we struggled. Lord, we have our own personal exodus stories as we're following you. 
Lord, I thank you for that. I praise you for freedom in Jesus' name. Freedom in Jesus' name. Devil, we bind you in the name of Jesus. There's no scheme and no plan which the Holy Spirit cannot stop and shut down. I pray we're strong in discernment to see these things, Lord. I pray we stand firm in you, in Jesus' name, that we have no business in the lives of the children of God. And Lord, we, we say these things because to your glory, it's the evidence of you. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, we pray, amen. 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 Well, it's good to see you tonight, Sunday morning. Come on back. Bring a friend with you. We'll have a great time together.